Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PyTorch Dev Podcast. Today, I want to talk about multiple dispatch in Torch function and how you can use it to make sure your Torch function implementations play nicely with others. So if you don't know what Torch function is, I highly recommend go and listen to the Torch function podcast that um, I did a few weeks ago. Um, the short version is Torch function is a way to um, overload the meaning of Torch functions when you make your own custom subclasses in Python. And so when you're writing a torch function, there is an interesting problem, which is what if you subclass tensor one way and you say, I want the behavior to be this, and someone else subclasses a tensor another way and says, I want the behavior to be some other thing, and I pass both of these tensors to the same operation, like say I add a logging tensor with a, you know, uh, a unit of measure tensor, what is supposed to happen in this situation? If we look at the behavior of Python in situations like this, um, on normal uh, method overloading, we realize Python is a single dispatch language. And so um, traditionally, um, there is a distinguished argument, the self argument, for which you actually do the implementation on. So let's say that I have, um, I'm adding two objects together, A plus B. Well, what will happen is I will call the add magic method on A because um, Python orients towards um, you know, preferring the first argument in this situation. And A is responsible for checking if it actually understands how to deal with the second object in question. If B is, say, a subclass of A, chances are A is going to just go ahead and treat B as if it were an A without using any of the extra behavior from B. Of course, this can be horribly inflexible sometimes, and so Python added another way to handle situations such as what if you said one plus some object instead of some object plus one? Well, clearly you can't override the underscore underscore add on the one literal. So what Python also has is um, the right side versions of mag uh, magic methods such as rAd, which say, if the implement, uh, method isn't implemented on the first object in question, try it again with the second object um, in looking for the other implementation rAd instead of add. And so what will happen is when you say one plus some object, first Python will attempt to um, run the operation using the implementation from one. One is gonna say, I don't know how to add to this some object thing, so I'm just gonna return not implemented. And then Python will try again with the second argument calling rAd on that argument. And this time it will work and you'll actually get a successful dispatch in this situation. So to recap, in stock Python, um, most method dispatch is a uh, single dispatch. And if you have a normal method on a function, um, that's what's going to happen. But sometimes there is a need for multiple dispatch. And Python has this sort of convention, which is, you know, well, try the operation on all of the objects in question. And, you know, if one of them says, I don't know how to do it, try it on the other one. So binary ops and, you know, ops with many tensor arguments are galore in you know, the Torch library, right? Like whatever we had to deal with addition in Python, well, we also can add two tensors together. And so when Torch function was originally designed as array function in the NumPy um, ecosystem, it was designed with an extra mechanism for making sure multiple dispatch would work in this situation. Here's how it works. And remember, it works very similarly how Python simulates multiple dispatch in certain magic methods. When you call an operator that is torch function overloaded, the first thing we do is we collect up the classes of all the tensor arguments in it, because that's all of the possible implementations of torch function that may be used in this situation. 
we look and see if any of these classes are subclasses of other classes. This is important because, well, let's say that I have an A and I have a B that inherits from A and I want to add A and B together. It's better for me to try the B first rather than the A first because B might have some special handling that overrides the behavior of a stock A operation. Other than that, I pick some arbitrary order to run the uh, torch functions on, um, just subclasses first, and then I go ahead and run them one by one, and the first time uh, one doesn't return a not implemented error and actually returns an actual result, that's when I actually return that result for real. However, torch function implementations can say, I don't know how to deal with this, and pass on the baton to some other class um, that might be able to handle it later in the implementation. Unlike stock Python, we don't have special versions of torch function if you are in the first argument or the second argument or a third argument. Torch function is a class method, so it can always be called no matter what, uh, where the um, class in question lives in the argument list. So, you know, as an actual implementer of torch function, you're responsible for going over the arguments and making sure if they are actually your object in question or if they're a normal tensor or, God forbid, there's some other class that you don't know how to deal with. So let's imagine that I'm writing a logging tensor. And a logging tensor is very simple because it just prints something and then just wants to go ahead and uh, run whatever the operation was before. So a logging tensor is kind of universal, right? It works in any situation. And so we don't need to be very restrictive about what kinds of other subclasses we can deal with. So a logging tensor might go ahead, look through all the arguments, find the logging tensors that are in them, log what their values are, and then go ahead and unwrap them and uh, uh, call the function again on the same arguments as before. Remember, calling the same function as before makes sure that if there are other subclasses involved, those can get a chance at it. The logging tensor just removes itself from the picture. Or let's say you're some very special tensor that is implemented like um, as a, a backend into some accelerator or some custom backend. Well, you're probably not gonna be able to deal with arbitrary subclasses. So what you should do in the torch function is when you are processing it, you should go through all the types that were passed in and check that they are all exactly your type or maybe um, you know a tensor type. And if you see anything you don't support, you should return not implemented instead of raising an error or anything like that. This is not super obvious to do when you're just copy pasting code, but if you keep it in mind, it's actually pretty simple. It's just a little bit of extra error checking that you need to add to torch function to make it compose well with other implementations of torch function. And of course, it's not a magic bullet, right? At the end of the day, someone needs to be able to handle all of the um, arguments in question. So if you know you have a bunch of extensions and none of them know how to deal with each other, then well, that's fine. You'll just get an error saying that there wasn't any torch function that actually implemented this. The key thing about multiple dispatch is that you can retrofit new functionality onto the system that you may not have had before. So imagine that you know someone's gone ahead and built a torch function subclass that does some extra behavior, and then you're a further extender, and you're like, oh, this is a great idea, but I, if only I had another class that I could customize the behavior even more. Well, that class knows about the first torch function implementation, and it can write generic uh, implementations that work in both cases. And in this way, you can post facto add more functionality onto the system um, that you know perhaps the original implementer of some class didn't anticipate. 
And this is one of the things that people like a lot about multiple dispatch. It's this ability to solve the expression problem by just, you know, putting giving people a place to put the completion of how feature A interacts with feature B. So multiple dispatch in this way is kind of cool. And uh, remember that I said that we we always run subclasses before um, their parent classes because, you know, they're more specific. But otherwise, the order of the multiple dispatch is unspecified. And PyTorch is allowed to pick whatever order it wants. But in general, most operations you're going to do on a tensor aren't commutative. And so it's kind of, um, it's a bit tricky if, you know, you actually are going to run um, these in any arbitrary order, and you still want them to um, be well specified. So what really is going to happen most of the time is most of your uh, operations that you know don't know about each other are just going to say not implemented when they see something they don't support. And it's only really the things that you know know about each other um, they'll have a very specific ordering in mind. But there is a, a situation when you do want um, to be able to make custom subclasses of tensors and you want them to be composable and you want control over the order in which they run. And this is called functorch, aka jack-style composable transformations on functions. One way to think about what functorch does is it creates a bunch of new subclasses like batch tensor and grad tensor, which you know imbue the meaning of operations with different things, right? Like batch tensor takes in what used to be a single example series of operator calls and turns them into batch versions. And a grad tensor takes what used to be a sim simple forward only series of calls and then also computes the backwards at the same time when you execute those calls. The composition of these passes matter. It matters if you do a VMAP and then a grad, which is traditional good old-fashioned um, you know, training over batch, versus a grad and then a VMAP, which is um, a more exotic type of training called per-sample gradients, where you actually compute a, uh, a gradient for every single sample. You don't average all together um, in one big loss. And the whole pitch about Functorch is that these transformations are composable. So you, um, you know, Grad can work with VMAP, VMAP can work with Grad, and you don't want these to actually have to know about each other, right? Like you can specify these transformations individually and um, then um, you know, put them together in whatever order you like. So how the heck does this play well with a multiple dispatch system like we just described before with Torch Function? Well, remember that I said that although the order we call methods is unspecified, there is one uh, thing that is guaranteed, which is we are always guaranteed to run the subclass method before the parent method. So let's say that I want to do some composition of operations, say a VMAP first and then a um, grad. Well, if I want to make sure that I handle the gradients before I do any VMapping, then all I need to do is make sure the uh, gradient class subclasses the VMAP class. And of course, I might do it the other way, right? I might want to have the uh, VMAP class subclass the gradient class. And so really what I want to happen in this situation is I'm actually just going to dynamically create new classes 
um, for whatever sequence of compositions I want. So if I want to do a VMAP and then grad and then a VMAP, well, I'll just you know have a VMAP one that inherits from grad zero that inherits from VMAP zero or or you know like uh, whatever. Fortunately, Python is a very dynamic language, and so it's pretty easy to allocate classes on the fly. So you, you'll have some implementation of this class, but when a user wants to actually use it, they actually um, have to you know, set up this inheritance hierarchy that says what order the transformations relate to each other. Um, but you know, this is not something they have to write any code for. You can just do this for them on the fly by generating classes. And the wonderful thing about this is it says hey, you know, Functorch is this cool thing. It's got um, all these transformations. They're composable with each other. And in fact, the torch function multiple dispatch mechanism, or really the dispatch to Python dispatch mechanism, but they're one and the same. They're, they're literally implemented using the same code. These, this mechanism is general enough to, uh, to um, make this work. So we don't actually have to add any extra level or stack or anything like that to make um, the multiple dispatch work out in the situation. That's pretty cool and something um, Richard and I didn't expect when we were trying to work out what to do in the situation. It also answers some questions we had, which is what should happen if um, you have you know, some functional transforms that aren't nested in each other and are leaking between each other. And this would correspond to a subclass A of some parent and a subclass B of some parent, but A and B aren't related at all. And you know, remember what I said about torch function, what you're supposed to do is check your types and make sure you actually understand everything that is in there. So if you get some type that isn't related to your current class hierarchy, you're supposed to re return not implemented error. And so we'll correctly get the correct error case in this situation, which is that, well, this is not something that's implemented. You haven't said how these two passes interact with each other. So we're not gonna guess one way or another. So what's the upshot? Well, um, Python doesn't have native multiple dispatch, but um, torch function and torch dispatch, um, dispatch to Python, both implement a form of multiple dispatch for handling what happens when you pass multiple different subclasses to a function. It's pretty simple, but very powerful and good enough to express all sorts of things, including Jack-style uh, composable transformations. That's everything I wanted to say for today. Talk to you next time.